When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blue Wire Podcast. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland here on the OBR Streaming Network. It is Thursday evening. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Uh, make sure you hit the like button and uh, bow down to the YouTube algorithm. Atone for your sins. Hit subscribe and uh, follow us every time a show goes live. Uh, good to see the chat. Everybody filing in the best chat in the land here. Uh, joining us tonight, uh, Brown's OTAs are well underway. And we have a special guest tonight. Uh, first time guest for my show. Uh, I know he goes on Jake's show all the time. He is uh, well known around town and very popular. His name is Jordan Zerm of the Sporting News. What's up, Jordan? Thanks for Jordan joining us tonight. Yeah, what's up, Brad? Thank you for the kind words, man. Happy to uh, happy to come on and uh, get to link up with you. So appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff. People in the uh, chat, uh, give me some Zerm. They're happy to see you. That's good stuff. We like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, we've got, uh, OTAs underway, Jordan, uh, lots of stuff going on, uh, with the Browns, uh, rumors, people talking, lots of good stuff, different narratives here and there. Uh, I wanted to start with, uh, defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, donning the 51 jersey, the Jordan Knassic jersey, uh, yesterday, uh, at OTAs. Uh, interesting choice. Uh, I guess he's going to be doing this on and off throughout the uh, OTAs, he said, or something to that effect, but he's a big fan of Jordan Kanasik. And uh, what uh, what do you think? Um, there seems to be a, you know, from the little rumblings we've heard out of OTAs, uh, a good response to Schwartz so far. Who do you think he has the biggest impact of, of like incumbent players, like players that are returning to the roster that maybe we've written off or, um, you know, haven't performed up to what we thought they would? Who do you think that he gets the best out out of out of that group? Yeah, it's um, a great question. I mean, I think you know, to your initial point about like a good response, like there's always going to be right like a honeymoon period for a new coordinator, sure. especially after you know sort of the end of Joe Woods's um, sort of tenure there and how I think all over the place that defense was. But I genuinely, like, I love the hire. I think Jim Schwartz has that respect, like, across the league. He's been in the league for so long. He's proven um, he has proven success. And, and so I think, like, you know, he is a perfect guy to sort of come in and command the attention of, like, some of the younger guys on that team because it is still, for the most part, a pretty young defense. Um, yeah. My hope is that, you know, maybe these aren't guys that, um, you know, we've written off or anything like that. But my hope is that, like, somebody like a JOK, somebody like a Grant Delpit, like some of these younger guys who um, have been on the Browns for a couple years, have shown some flashes, and then have had some regression. Um, I think Grant Delpit really came on sort of like in the second half of last season. But, like, you know, JOK had a really tough year. Like, between the injury and then when he was on the field, he struggled um, after what was, by all accounts, a really great rookie season. And, like... I think like hopefully the biggest impact is going to be on guys like that, that a uh, Greg Newsom, like some of these guys who are like, we all think are pretty talented, have some of the skill sets, but maybe haven't quite played up or have not been as consistent as I think some people would like. And my hope is that Jim Schwartz really brings out the best in them, like teaching them. He's seen so much. He's um, his defensive schemes. I, I think that's really where I'm hoping um, Schwartz's sort of teaching comes through because those guys are going to be a huge part of the defense and they're young and they were high draft picks. Like they need to be play important roles. Um, and my hope is really that Jim Schwartz um, can bring that out of them. So that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to the most. And hopefully, you know, those guys stay healthy and they can really start to come into their own this season. Yeah, I guess uh, my hopes are kind of like Jordan Elliott, maybe like, 
they're going to be asking the interior guys to do a little bit different stuff, right? Like not as much two gapping and more just like, you know, slashing, getting in the backfield. Like, uh, you know, just give them, you know, more defined roles, I think, uh, will help all of those guys. And I'm hoping a guy like Elliot that can, you know, who a lot of people like to come out in the draft but has never really materialized into the player we thought he could be, maybe in this defense finds his way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Absolutely. He, he shout out do it to, pretty quickly. Yeah, shout out to another Jordan from Mizzou, Jordan Elliott. So it's, yeah. you know we're uh, of, we're connected at the hip like that. We've got three Jordans on the show already: Jerm, <laughs> Kanasic, and and Elliott. Now it's just crazy. There we go. All right. Yeah. So uh, we've got a question in here, which is worth uh, I think uh, asking: uh, Does AB extend Grant Delpit? Uh, I'll let you go first here on this one, Jordan. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like, I think that's going to be a, a tough one. I think like if he, I think Grant's got the talent. And I think also that, um, Grant Delpit can finally start to play his actual wh- where he's best at, which is a guy that can play in the box a little bit, can come down, can play against the run, can kind of roam like the middle of the field like that. I think like that's where you saw him shine. Um, and I think one of the issues you know, a little bit with one of the the myriad of issues they had last season. But, like, you know, playing him as sort of a free safety and a roamer just, like, was not what he was, what he's best at and what yeah. his talent was. And and he and John Johnson were not matched well. They both had similar skill, skill sets in that area. So, like, I'm hoping now that he can really play in a role that he's comfortable with and where he can really thrive in. And I think, like, you've seen a little bit of that from him. So, um, I think they, you know, I, I think they, they took a chance on drafting him after a, what was a tough senior year for him or, or final year for him at LSU. Um, and I think like if he really can show some stuff, then yeah, I think you should absolutely take a chance on extending him because I do think like you can see the talent, you can see why um, he was such, had such an incredible year, uh, whether it was his sophomore or junior year, I can't remember which one, but at LSU when he was like one of the top safeties in the country, um, I think that talent is still there. I think it's just a matter of not trying to fit him into a role that didn't suit him. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, now that he doesn't have to sort of be that, that free safety at all, can really just hopefully play, you know, that, that, uh, that box safety a little more, he'll really be able to flourish. So, um, yeah. and if that happens, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if they get, you know, if they can let him do that, you know, play the run down in the box, which we know, you know, Schwartz depends on a lot of, his, you know, safeties yep. in the box to fill in behind. Um, and I think he'll do that well. It's it, the question is, you know, oh, sorry about that. Uh, I did not. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I thought they would have taken Jamie Robinson in the fifth round and they took DTR and, you know whatever to whatever you know i'm not gonna you had to go down that rabbit hole again the chat does certainly doesn't want me to uh but you know he would have been like a guy who you're like looking for the future he can you know he's a succession plan for delpit maybe he can play both spots back there but they elected not to do that um so i guess the question is on the table and it kind of depends on his uh his uh his plan and 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 how he plays this year certainly i think he'll play well this year given that he can play that role uh most of the time uh where he can come up and play the run and be disruptive and be physical and not have to roam on the back end like you said kind of and if he can do that i think he'll play really well the question is you know are the browns is that one of those positions where they don't want to have to pay somebody? Can you keep somebody on a rookie deal there? Um, I don't know, but they did fill in behind with <laughs> uh, with uh, a veteran, Rodney McLeod, which will make it interesting because certainly he brings a ton to it. But I would have liked to have seen them take a younger safety uh, in the draft just for that reason in case they decide not to extend him. They did not. Now, they do have Ronnie Hickman in camp. Uh, and I don't know if they think that he's the guy. I, I doubt it, but we'll see. Any thoughts on that? Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely, I think I, I agree with you. All signs sort of point to them wanting to give Delpit, you know, a year um, where he can really hopefully find himself. Um, you know, I think it's easy to forget of like, you know, his injury as a rookie. And like, he's just, you know, it's been a, a tough sort of um go for him in terms of consistency and and being healthy and and then last year you know just so many 
playing out of position, miscommunication to all of that stuff. So I, I think they really want to give him a chance to, to show them, you know, like, Hey, in this role, I can be this player. Um, and, and so it's a big year for him. I mean, it's a big year for a lot of people, but, uh, you know, Delp, it's one of those guys that the spotlight will definitely be on. Certainly. Uh, all right, let's, uh, bring up some, I've got some questions here. Oh, there, there's, I was supposed to bring this up earlier. There looks, he is. He looks great. He looks he great. He does. He does. He looks fantastic. He looks great out there. All right. Uh, so the word is that Demetric Felton is uh, been pushed back into the running back room after a couple years uh, with wide receivers, basically, uh, in camp and stuff like that, um, and kind of treated him like a wide receiver, right? Now, he didn't see much playing time at all last season, um, was, uh, I think, a healthy scratch a lot, right, last year. And uh, so they have kind of slotted him over into the running back room, which probably slides him in somewhere around running back three or four, depending on how you evaluate John Kelly, right? What do you think about this idea? Does Felton back in the running back room? I kind of like the idea of it because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really serving a purpose in the wide receiver room. Um, I had kind of been hoping they would go out and get a veteran running back. Um, Does this eliminate that for you? Like Felton sliding over? I, I definitely don't think it eliminates it. Um, I, you know, I wonder, I'm, I'm very interested to see what, like, internally, what their feelings on Jerome Ford are and how much he's actually going to be involved as a, as a guy that has, you know, occasionally shown some good stuff, especially in the return game. Um, but I definitely don't think it eliminates it. I, I think to your point, like, him as a receiver was just pretty funny. Like the times that he was there, he was just such a token, like we're he's not involved in this play. We're going to spread him out wide, but yeah. like you truly don't actually have to worry about him. And it was very, it was a really odd thing um, that they would do. So I'm glad that he's sort of back where he can contribute. I mean, I think it was two years ago. He, you know, when he got the ball in, in open space, like he, he's an electric athlete in that way. I, I was sort of confused why they, you know, really didn't find ways to allow him to sort of operate in open space uh, last season, like in any way. Now, you know, we don't know what goes on during practice during the week and and how he may have looked, but um, you know, there's some athletic ability in there. So I'm glad he's back in the running back room, Um, but I don't think it necessarily um, will stop them from signing a vet. It just seems like they're really being picky about who that vet would be. And if it makes sense to sign a vet over like, Hey, let's just like, roll the dice with Jerome Ford and see if he's a guy that can kind of pick up that slack and, and we don't have to spend money on somebody else. If they signed a vet at this point, uh, I, I wrote an article on the available ones out there. There's not a lot of great ones out there. Most of some of them are on the wrong side of 30, you know, yep. um, all that stuff. There's two guys that I have in mind that I think that would fit. Um, but if you brought one in, would it be to displace Jerome Ford or would it just kind of be as for me, it would kind of just be as like, even we're going to give Ford every opportunity first, but we want to have a veteran there just in case somebody gets dinged or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that's what it should be. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason not to let Jerome Ford kind of you right. know, have a shot at it, especially early on in the season. Like, you know, I think he showed them some things where like, yeah, you, there, there's some talent there. And I mean, you drafted him for a reason. Like they, they, somebody in the organization saw that talent at Cincy and was like, you know, let's get him in here. So, um, yeah, like you said, a lot of the available guys are like, you know, what you're, you know, what you're getting, you know, probably how little they have left like in the tank. And so to, to bring that person in and expect them to like, Hey, we're going to, you know, rotate you in once a series, like just doesn't really make sense to me. I think Jerome Ford is, is a way better option for that. So I would think that Jerome Ford should have every opportunity to kind of grab that running back two spot. Um, and then, you know, if, if they do end up signing a veteran, then that's a sort of third rotation, the guy that you can use in, in short yardage or, or whatever you want to do. But I do think Jerome Ford should have that opportunity and hopefully he gets it. Yeah, agreed. I don't know what kind of a pass catcher he is or he was in college. Uh, I hope that he can, you know, bring something different there. Maybe if they, you know, at least on third downs or whatever, if they decide to use him in that role. Or maybe they'll use Chubb more in that role this year without Hunt here. It'll be interesting to see how they want to roll that out. But, um, yeah, I think he gets all the opportunities. I'm interested in a guy like J.D. McKissick or or Justin Jackson or kind of the two names that I would be okay with. Yeah. I'm, you know, no Zeke, none of that stuff for me. So that's just kind of where I'm at with the veterans. Yeah, no, McKissick is a good name. Um, 
Yeah, I forgot that you know, people were floating. I saw somebody floating out like, what about Leonard Fournette? And I completely forgot about Leonard Fournette, who just sort of is existing out there in yeah. the ether. But I don't know if that's a guy, you know, with, with his age and injury, it sort of like feels the same as like a Zeke signing. And I don't know if that's the direction they'd want to go. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, these these running backs that you take in some of the, the later rounds and you see flashes here and there, you never really know what to expect. But But I do think that like, at the very least, Ford is a younger guy. His legs are a little fresher, and it's like, you know, I think there's a chance for him to sort of make that impact, and he's been on the roster for a few years, so he, he's familiar with the system. And um, so, yeah, he should uh, – hopefully he has that opportunity. Agreed. Um, okay, so let's talk – you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland, by the way, on the OBR Streaming Network, special guest Jordan Zerm of the Sporting News uh, joining us here tonight. Thank you all for being here. Uh, good crowd right now. The chat is, uh, chat is fantastic. Um, all right, listen, uh, let's see what this is here. I will get to that in a second, Philly. One second. All right. So, uh, let's talk new kickoff rule. All right. Got, we got to address it. It's, it's the elephant in the room. Everybody, a lot of people are mad. Where do you come out on it, Jordan? The, the, the uh, fair catch kickoff rule here. Yeah. I mean, it's not something I can personally get too worked up about, although I saw a comment in the chat that I did think was pretty spot on where the NFL is very funny about how they pick and choose when they want to uh, invest in player safety and when they don't, right? Like, yeah. yes, a lot of concussions happen on kickoffs. I, I have a feeling that like within five years, five to 10 years, the kickoff's not going to exist. I think that's just a thing that's going to happen. And listen, I, is it a part of the game that like, you know, allowed players to who otherwise may have not made rosters or you may have not heard their names and, and had a chance to see them do other stuff? Like, is that tough? Is that going to eliminate, you know, guys like that from making rosters? I think yes. But yeah. I think overall it is, you know, statistically one of the places where concussions happen the most. And like that is something that I think the NFL is very sensitive about. But it is funny where they're sensitive and when they're not, because like the Tua stuff last year was insane. Like, yes. so it's, so it is, it's like, and I think one of the comments was like, and now they're sending more teams overseas and they're flexing Thursday night games. And so it's just like, they're flexing Monday night games. So player safety is not really something they care about. They just, when they have a chance to change the optics on something like that, they are just, they're doing it. And yeah, like Josh Cribs would have maybe never existed, you know, as a, as a player, same thing with yeah. Hester. So, um, you know, I think it is a bummer that like you you won't be able to see kickoff returns for touchdowns, which I still think, even though they are far and few between, are some of the more electric plays that happen in the NFL. Um, but I think it's inevitable. I think because it is so, um, those injuries are so visible because players are moving still so fast. The collisions that happen are still so bad that like I think the NFL looks at that and is like, okay, we gotta eliminate this. Um, you know, as we can. So listen, it's not something I'm going to get worked up about, but I, I understand where, you know, people get frustrated where it's like, okay, are we going too far in one direction? Um, yeah, poor, 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 poor Grant. Grant. he gets yeah. injured last year and now this rule comes out and it's like, well, so, yeah. um, so I totally get the frustration, but I think this is unfortunately just the way it's going to go. It's strange. Like, uh, so to your guys's point in the chat and your point, Jordan, you know, Hester, Cribs, was it Dante Hall? Uh, those guys yep. like all made a living uh, returns. Throw up that but, X, baby. Yes, yes, absolutely. But the NFL's already been phasing this out. Like, this is already, we're at a point now where uh, the kickoff is one of the more anticlimactic, you know, plays in the entire game. Nobody, I mean, very rarely does anyone ever run it back for any kind of significant yardage anymore. Um, I think that what we're going to see, and it's a one-year trial, right? And they and they kind of passed it by surprise, I think. A lot of people didn't think they were, it was going to actually happen this year. The question becomes, like, as a special teams coach, and Stefanski talked about it, he's been going through it with Bubba, but, like, 
what is the workaround here and what what will special teams try to do like does the squib kick become like a weapon if you can use it now right because if you can squib it down there to the one yard line and you can cover it well suddenly that's the workaround i mean it's not going to make huge difference in games but i think there will always be teams that try to uh you know shortcut the rule or whatever to their advantage yeah It'd be funny if a team just had a, a squib specialist and they, because yes. it's really hard to get a squib kick to go any further than, you know, like the 35 yard line. So, exactly. um, and so that's the downside of it. Right. I, I saw, um, I was reading an article on the athletic that like they asked, well, like our squib kicks going to become more popular. And somebody was like, well, I mean, if they want the other team to have great field position, I guess. But so yeah, it, it's going to be, um, it'll be a bit of a chess match with that. But I think to your point, yeah, the NFL is already sort of, signaled that they are slowly rolling back the kickoff and this is just another move in that direction so um yeah it could be wild there could be a whole generation of kids that grow up not knowing what a kickoff is which would be very wild that would be wild yes absolutely all right let's go back here to uh some of this stuff all right let's talk about deshaun here a little bit i have some uh mike clay projections uh which actually are at the end of this picture roll. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can get this up, ladies and gentlemen. So Mike Clay does these every year, right? He, he's kind of been hard on the Browns lately, let's be real. And I, I mean, he, I understand. He has. He, he does yes. not like their receiver room, that is for sure. Yeah, he, he has done this uh, the past couple of years. Like last year, I remember going over it with Jake and like, this don't even this doesn't even make sense. They're not even accounting for a, a certain amount of, I don't know how well everybody can see that, uh, but we'll do our best here. Here we go. This is the offensive projections from him. So he has Watson at uh, basically 3,700, a little over 3,700 yards, 26 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, um, and four rushing touchdowns, which seems really light to me uh, of, of all those numbers, which is not terrible, right? Like, that's that's okay, but I think we're expecting more than that, hopefully. Um and then, you know, wide receiver-wise, we have he has us with zero 1,000-yard uh, receivers. So he's got Cooper at 960, uh, Peoples-Jones at 600, about Elijah Moore just under him at 578, and then Tillman and Bell with about a uh, buck 90 each. Uh, seven touchdowns for Cooper, four for Peoples-Jones, three for Moore. So... Uh, what do you, what, what are your expectations for Watson, your reaction to Mike Clay's, uh, you know, kind of his projections here that he puts out? What do you think here? Yeah, I, I think you're right about the, the rushing TDs being low. I mean, I think if you're getting almost 500 rushing yards out of Deshaun, you feel really good about that. Um, yes. but I think you, you would, but you would hope that the, the touchdowns and, you know, using him in inside the red zone, um, where he's going to run. Um, you know, you, those would bump up to closer to, yeah, seven or eight. Um, and, and I think you also hope that, you know, while 3730 is close to 4,000, I think you would, you would hope that he's, you know, that's a really great year if you get Deshaun up over 4,000 passing yards. I, I think those numbers are close to, and I think what like expectations should be, um, I think like, you know, for the Browns to go where they want to go and, for Deshaun to be the quarterback that they paid that kind of money for him to be like, these are numbers that he should be putting up, you know, and even, you know, better numbers than this. Um, I think like this is really the year where like that's, that has to be the expectation with him. Um, So those actually feel the quarterback numbers actually feel pretty, pretty spot on. I think like, you know, Amari maybe not having a thousand yards is a product of, of adding in some more receivers that they may want to, spread the ball around to with, with the addition of Elijah Moore. However, they're going to use Cedric Tillman and then Marquise Goodwin. Um, I think the David and Joku numbers are a little low for me, like yeah. 567 yards, five touchdowns. I think David started to show, you know, especially second half last year, like it's a really good, really good receiving tight end. And I think his growth every year has been really consistent. Um, and, and I'm looking for him to have a bigger year than that. Like, I think 567 yards would be a little bit of a disappointment there. So um, now, obviously, like, there's a lot of spreading the ball around he's got here. I don't know. You know, we don't know how involved David Bell is going to be again. Um, and we'll see how much Cedric Tillman can contribute as a rookie. But um, I think Njoku is a, is a huge 
a huge um, part of this offense and should be a huge part of this offense. And, um, you know, hopefully that comes to fruition and he's got, you know, closer to 700 yards than 567. So I would say that Deshaun expectations are pretty, you know, uh, outside of the things I talked about are pretty, are pretty spot on, but I do think like Njoku is going to have a better year. Um, and I will be very fascinated to see how much Elijah Moore and, and Cedric Tillman both kind of contribute in their first years here. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's where I'm going to go with it. So I, I agree with you. Like, I think that the, this outcome for Watson would be ex- acceptable. And with the talent around him, I think would probably get them pretty close to where we want them to be. Although it's not over 4,000. We would like to see that. Right. Um, but it's not, I mean, they're pretty good numbers, right? 26 and 11 in the air. I, yeah. I would take that, right? Uh, I agree with you about Njoku. I think we're probably looking more towards like 707, right? And then 505. I think that would be ideal. My thing is like this. I kind of have this, and, and I it's not a popular opinion. I kind of think Elijah Moore is going to shake up the production in this room big time. Like I think there is a range. There is an outcome in the range of outcomes where Moore is your leading receiver this year uh that's just kind of where i'm at with it i know that's not a popular opinion but um i think he's really good and i think that uh he's going to be one of the favorite one of uh, watson's favorite targets but we'll see how that all shakes out uh interesting enough here uh you know marquise goodwin with five targets on the season i I somehow i think they'll go a little more than that but maybe not yeah he might have five targets just in otas today so uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah we'll uh, we'll see about that also i see uh anthony schwartz did not make onto the onto the wide receiver list here so yes uh, yeah tough look for our guy anthony tough look uh, probably accurate though in my opinion uh uh the other question is they have harrison bryan in here i you know we've kind of if you've been reading the tea leaves, it kind of feels like he might not be long for this roster. Thoughts on Bryant being around this year? Yeah, I think that's, you know, with the Aiken signing and like I, Harrison Bryant has been such an odd, like I feel like, you know, his rookie, his first couple of years, he was like a pretty big part. Now, you know, part of that is, you know, that multiple tight end sets they were running pretty consistently. But like, yeah, he just never really like Bryant never feels like he's reached a consistent level where, you know, you really feel like, Oh, like he was a, that's a tight end that, that made sense as a, as a high, not high, but like as a draft pick and a guy you really want, like as a part of your offense, he just never really got to that level. Um, So I would say, yeah, he's definitely. And I mean, looking at those stats, like if that's all he's kind of giving you, um, you know, for a season, it's, it's kind of like, well, what is, yeah, what's really the point? So um, I I don't know what to make of Harrison Bryant. I think he's, I don't know if disappointment is the right word, but he certainly has not made an impact on the offense. I think like a lot of us expected, um, especially after what, didn't he win, you know, the best, best tight end in college after the the year the Browns drafted him. And um, he did, I think there was a, there was a little bit of hype about him. Now I know that doesn't always translate to the next level, but. Um, I think the production from from Harrison has not really met what I think expectations might be. So I, I could definitely see him being on the bubble. Yeah. So he like he has gotten just enough production to hit that you know next pay grade where they have to pay him a yep. more than he's really worth, but not enough production to be like to justify uh, him keeping him as their tight end too. So a weird situation there. Uh, and I and I like Aikens coming in. I think that. Um, Absolutely. He could, he could fit in nicely. So uh, let's look at the defensive side of the ball real quickly. Um, there's not a ton, you know, a ton to gleam from this, but I do think that, well, I, I'll pose the question to you this way. They, they have uh, Garrett with 13 sacks, uh, Zadarius Smith with seven, uh, Okoronko with 4.4. Tomlinson with three, Elliott with two, Winfrey with almost two, 1.8, whatever that means. Um, so, I, you know, 43 as a team. I think this is a 50-sack front uh, myself. Uh, I think that number's low. I think they need if, – if they're not, I think they're in trouble. Uh, I think they need to be able to get to 50 or above. Uh, do you think that with the – and I – kind of wrote about this and talked about it on the last show. I think that this is potentially the best supporting cast, at least edge wise that miles has had. Now you had Vernon and, and, um, 
His name is escaping me now. Um, the Vernon and the veteran Claiborne, Adrian Claiborne, the first year uh, in 2020, and they were up. They had a good year, and then you had Clowney and, and, and Tack McKinley uh, nicely in 2021, who put up pretty good numbers. Uh, now, in 2021, Garrett had 18. He only had 13 in 2020. So... Does it, do you agree? Do you think this is a group that can go above 50? Is this the best supporting cast that Miles has had off the edge? I think it is. Um, I think like the number for me that seems low and that I would hope would be more would be um, Okoronkwo, like 4.4 for him. I, I'm hoping yeah. that because he's now paired with Miles and they've got Zedarius, like, he's going to be able to get a lot of one-on-ones. He's going to be able to, you know, not have to have the sort of attention on him where he can really make a difference. So if he only ended up with, you know, four sacks, I think that'd be fairly disappointing. And I think, you know, he's a, he's a better player than that, that is going to be able to really benefit from having miles, from having Zedarius from, from that. So I, I definitely think on the edge, like this is the best sort of rotation the Browns have had since miles has been there. And then I think when you look at some of the interior guys, what you're hoping for is aside from better play against the run is you're just really hoping for a better pressure rate from the interior. I think that's really like from Tomlinson, from whatever Jordan Elliott, you know, who knows, but again, like I think that's the most important thing. Sacks for them don't do a ton for me. It's like more, it's a, it's a bonus, but the pressure rate I think is really got to be for them. Um, That's a big part of it because then if you're getting a pretty decent pressure rate, like then those edge guys are going to feast. And I think, um, that is really going to all tie together. So, yeah, so I, I think, like, I agree with you. Like, it should be a 50-sack front, and I think a big reason for that is, like, I feel like Okoronkwo's projection is pretty low, and I think he's going to have a better year than that. Yeah, I, I would. I agree, and I think that we're probably going to see a lot. You know, in, in third-down situations, I expect to see a lot of Garrett Smith and Okoronkwo on the field at the same time, which is why I think that you can expect more from him as well uh, coming off the edge and with how effective that Smith has been on the interior in those type of situations, right? Um, I think he said this is the first time he's actually been in a true 4-3. Is that right? Is that what he was saying yesterday? So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yep. The other thing that strikes me on this is the rankings over here on the bottom right, if everybody want to look down there. So it gives you the uh, league rankings. Uh, This, you know, Mike Clay paints a picture with these league rankings that this is still a very, very heavy run team, right? Uh, Third in rushing attempts, fifth in rushing yards, Seventh in rushing touchdowns, uh, 23rd in passing yards, 12th in touchdowns. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, I think, that, uh, that that's what he has laid out here because I don't think that's going to be the case. I, yeah, I would agree with you. That's a little – I think um, the Browns and I think Stefanski have sort of signaled that, like, the rushing attempts are not going to be the same now that they have a full off season and a full season with Deshaun. I think like you're going to see a, a heavier passing attack. Um, and I think my opinion is that if the Browns want to go where they think they can go to be successful, like they're not going to be top three in rushing attempts. I just don't think that's going to be the case. So um, now that's not to say they're not going to, you know, still they're going to have an emphasis with Nick Chubb and they're going to run the ball. I just don't think they're going to do it at the volume um, because they have, other, they have hypothetically, they have Deshaun and better weapons on the outside and um, you know, they have Deshaun Watson there to throw the ball. Um, so for the most part, at least. So yeah, I, I would agree with you that the rushing attempts being like top five seems like a, maybe a bit of a misreading on who the Browns might actually be offensively this season. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James asks, who again came up with these projections? Is Mike Clay. Uh, this easy ESPN, right, Jordan, I think? He's ESPN. He does a lot of, like, fantasy projections, too. So sometimes yes. that can kind of, like, mix in here with his actual projections. But, yeah, he's had some – he's definitely had some strange ones. I think he's a smart guy. But these are some – some of these numbers feel, like, um, fairly off. <laughs> so they, uh, you just – They do. You never know. Yeah. On a yearly basis, kind of, they, they feel a little off. Um, yeah. 
So we talked about Watson there some. You know, we've got Elijah Moore spoke today. Uh, he was sounded great in his comments today. He said he f- was loving the atmosphere, felt really comfortable, which is always great to hear when you hear have a guy that's coming from a place where he was somewhat disgruntled. Um, you know, he looks great out there. There's Marquise Goodwin. So I grabbed some of these pictures from... Uh, uh, this so a lot of people have framed this as Tillman's is DPJ's replacement. Do you see it like that way, or the succession plan for Donovan People Jones because they're not going to want to pay, pay him, and ultimately that's like the reason that they took a big wide receiver like that. Um, where do you come out on that, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see like why people think that i mean the two reasons you just gave one like a similar size type of vertical threat kind of guy um so similar sort of builds and 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 skill set and then yeah like you know when dpj when it's time to extend him is it something where he's going to ask for more money than they're willing to pay um just for the the type of production that they've gotten by him so this is sort of a both a a move where like cedric can contribute this year but also yeah like i i think it's pretty easy to see um the the sort of succession plan like you said there so i don't know if it's something where their minds are already made up and they're like you know you know dpj we're not gonna we're not paying that second contract and and that's it um but i i do you don't have to squint too hard to see like why cedric they can say oh we wanted a, a big body and a vertical threat sure but you don't have to squint very hard to see like yeah this could just be a cheaper dpj replacement so um i definitely buy into it you know i think DPJ to me, he's really every year he's improved a ton, and like it's been really cool to watch him grow. Um, but I do think, you know, to some of the chat's point, like yeah, they can't. So the the money that they're uh, that he might want to have tied up on him, the Browns are probably not going to want to pay that. And, and this is an easy way to sort of be able to be like, we got Cedric, we're good. Like let's roll with this rookie contract, we're fine. So um, I, I think that could definitely be the case. But I'm I'm intrigued to see how like you know. DPJ and, and Watson with a kind of a half a year under their belt, how they kind of yeah. move forward this season. Because I do think even if he's not here for the long term, Donovan can still be a, a pretty big contributor this season. Um, I think there's a world too where maybe it's Cooper that they move on from. Um, it, you know, yep. I don't know that's the case, but I think it's in the range of outcomes. But uh so we'll see that obviously depends on what happens this year good question in the chat here and it's uh one of my favorite questions because i think it's unsolved but i will uh pose it for you jordan because i talk about it a lot on my shows here and this is from uh let's see if we can there it is all right uh brad and jordan how do you think the defensive backroom shakes out the newsom slot outside question really has not been resolved still have three outside corners so um, you know, I widely documented with the whole uh, changing agents. Newsom takes Rosenhaus into the building immediately after changing agents, although he doesn't want to trade, but he does have a meeting in the middle of summer with the, with the team, which is with his new agent, and comes out and, and Schefter has this tweet that is glowing and he's happy with his role and all this stuff. I can only... Uh, imagine if the walls could talk that they would have said Jordan that uh, he was told what he wanted to hear in that meeting or else he we wouldn't have seen that kind of a reaction from him and I that to me means he doesn't have to play inside or at least if he's going to play inside it's not going to be he's not going to be asked to play the run anymore when he plays inside right situationally or or however they're going to work that out Uh, so what do they do with these corners, three of which, all three, your best three corners, none of which really want to play inside. Um, and then you did draft uh, a uh, uh, guy that looks like he could be a, a slot guy in uh, Cameron. Uh, his last name is escaping me now. What's his name? Cameron uh, uh, Mitchell. Mitchell. Cameron from, Mitchell, yep. Yeah. From uh, Northwestern. Former, uh, former Greg Newsom teammate, yeah. Yes, um, buddy of his. So yeah. thoughts on uh, how they, this all shakes out? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's – one, it sort of speaks to, again, what we mentioned with, like, Joe Woods, where sort of putting guys in positions that they either, like, don't like or are not comfortable <laughs> with and not really, like, moving off of that. Now, listen, I get it. Like, your personnel is your personnel. You want to be able to move guys around. Um 
But I, you know, I think a lot of that coincided with one of like a horrible down year for that secondary. So there, you know, I think those things go hand in hand a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. You would, you would imagine that whole thing, that whole news cycle with Greg Newsom was very strange. Um, how it went from like demanding a trade to actually, I love it in Cleveland in about like a span of an hour. So uh, that was, uh, <laughs> yes. that was very interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I think something having depth at corner, no matter where these guys play is, is important, especially on a team that has somebody like Denzel Ward, who, you know, for all his great attributes has had trouble staying healthy almost every single season. Yep. That's a great, great point in the chat. You can never have enough. Um, you know, Martin Emerson is a guy that intrigues me and a guy who I thought kind of had a, a pretty good year, you know, it went under the radar a little bit because the defense was so bad, but I, I like Martin yeah. Emerson a lot. He's a physical guy. Um, me too. I thought he played some really good receivers tough on the outside. Um, and I think like what you hope happens here too, is that, with, with Jim Schwartz and with better vibes and hopefully better performance, guys are more willing to move around, to play inside sometimes, um, to just want to be a collective rather than what it felt like last season, which was a lot of individual guys upset about this or that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know exactly where this is going to shake out. And I think with Newsom, like, he made a demand and it seems like they were like, okay, you know, like, we'll, we'll try and keep you outside. But, um, you know, I think these guys, yeah, I think there'll be some rotation. And I think guys are going to have to accept, you know, you're not going to play outside on every single down that you're on the field. Like we need you to, you know, they're going to offensive move their guys all around. So if they're moving somebody into the slot, we're going to have you go with them, you know? So um, I think that's important. And I, I'm hoping again, like we talked about Jim Schwartz and just sort of the, the benefit of changing coordinators and having a fresh guy in there. Um, and hopefully those, uh, at least for this season, will allow some of those guys to be like, cool, I'll play inside. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge Emerson fan. Like on, on a defense that I thought lacked any identity, he kind of brought that edge in that uh, moxie that you want your def defense to have. Um, you think that changes this year with the coaching and some of the players they brought in? I feel like it's gonna. I think it. Ha I think it has to. My whole thing, yeah. like when I've talked to friends and other people, is like it really can't be worse. It can really only go one way from what last year was, and and I hope hopefully, but yeah. and that is up. Um, but I think like you look at like Juan Thornhill's attitude and and everything he's been saying. Like I think getting a guy in there that's not only a veteran, not only a guy that has a ring, but like is bringing that kind of attitude in there. It seems like Zadarius Smith is similar. Like. I, I, I'm hoping that, you know, now listen, winning is always going to matter the most and guys are going to get upset when things are not going well. But um, they've got some fresh voices in there. They've got talent. I thought they were talented last season and everything that went wrong uh, that could have gone wrong did. But I think they're a talented defense and I think they have talented guys in the secondary. And yeah, like I loved how Martin Emerson played and I think they have guys that, um, you know, this year are going to bring that physicality and, and bring hopefully a more um, – connectivity between the secondary because they were they were just lacking so much of that and i think having some of those new guys in here with attitudes coming from winning organizations is, is a really big deal um interesting stuff in the chat here i wanted to uh, good stuff great stuff jordan uh here is from james uh do either of you see uh the stat the secondary yes the 26th versus zone and second versus man so it's an interesting stat right jordan because like it's a zone league like you, you you're not going to be able to get away from playing a x amount of zone right like just because that's the way that the nfl is today um but you know the browns do have really good man corners so how do you parse that out right yeah i i think to your point like yeah that stat definitely needs like there's context that need that's needed with that stat because you know if you're constantly in certain downs and situations that call for more zone, you're going to play more zone. That's just going to be what it is. Now, yeah. I do think there is a happy medium that again, you know, not to continue to like pile on Joe Woods or anything, but I think, no, go ahead, worst... please do. We but, do it all the time here. Yeah, yeah. That's a, but one yeah. of his worst qualities was his inability to be flexible. Like it really just sort of stuck to what he was doing um, and didn't really make a lot of changes. And so, I think like there was probably a half a medium where, yeah, they're not going to flip that on its head and play man 90% of the time, which doesn't make any sense. But, um, 
you know, there, there's a world in which, hey, we're going to play man and we're going to try and, um, you know, what they've seen on film. We're going to we're going to play around with our tendencies here where maybe we'll play man on a third and long when we were playing zone last week. You know, that type of thing. That's just stuff the Browns didn't really do um, a lot of last year. And I think when you have corners that are statistically better in man, like you should find ways to try and play man more again not like hey every down we're playing man but in situations where you feel good and confident that like our pass rush is going to get here or we're sending some sort of blitz where we're going to run man behind it like you should feel empowered to do that and i think that was something they just did not do last season so um so yeah to your point like i think context is needed like it's never going to be a hundred percent one or the other but there was definitely a middle ground that they did not get to yeah, and, you know, I mean, split the field, you know, you can play man on half the field and zone yep. on half the field against good receivers and stuff. But, you know, take advantage of your personnel. And, and to your point in the chat's point, they, the Joe Woods just never really was good at that, right? So, uh, or at least we didn't see it very often. Um, all right. See what we got here. If we answer any other questions for Jordan here, because we're winding things down uh, on our hour. Uh, Jordan, you've been fantastic, man. Thanks for joining me tonight. First time. Yeah, uh, I see. I know you go on with Jake all the time, so we kind of have that crossover. As I have a once a week show with him as well, and uh, I always enjoy your guys' uh, show. Uh, where are you at? Is is so there's kind of some comments on Kevin here, and 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 you know we've talked about Kevin, and everybody has at length. Is there the way this schedule starts for him uh, is really intriguing, right? You get the three division games in four weeks. Like it could be disastrous for him. Like people could be calling for his job at the bye week, a super early bye week, right? Uh, or we could be like, wow, you know, this is this is a totally this is the Browns team we've been waiting to see, or we could be somewhere in the middle. Of course, these are all the range of outcomes. But I feel like uh, there is a portion of this fan base that is ready to leap on Kevin being gone if they don't see what they want in these first few games. Do you feel that too? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that was a pretty uh, large sentiment, especially on Brown's Twitter last year. I mean, like if, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm pretty pro Kevin. Like I, I, I think he's an incredibly smart offensive mind. Um, I think, you know, the Browns have, especially last season presented him with a circumstance that was pretty tough. Um, and for a while outside of that Jets game, uh, unfortunately, but they, I mean, I think he, navigated it pretty well he had Jacoby Brissett playing some of the best football that Jacoby's ever played like I think he's done um I think he's done a pretty good job here um and I was very happy he made the change at defensive coordinator and special teams like I think he did the things that I the critiques that I had he did um so no regardless of what happens I mean now listen look, if they lose all four games to come out and they have this bye week and then they've got to face the 49ers it's like okay so that's and it's going to be tough. People are going to be calling for it regardless. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but it is sort of like you're jumping into the fire with these division games and, and getting after it immediately. Um, and I think, you know, despite my feelings on Kevin, I think this is the year where if things don't go well, it's going to be inevitable that there's going to be um, some sort of change. But, I mean, I think to Keith's point, like, I think if you ask people around the league, especially people involved with offenses, like Kevin is held in a very high regard. Um, I think he's really one of the smarter people out there. Now that doesn't always translate to being a good head coach. And yes, there's stuff that, um, you know, he needs to get better at, but if we're just talking about a guy that knows how to put an offense together, that knows how to get the best out of, you know, some average to slightly above average players, like he's done in his tenure here. Um, you know, we will, we'll see, but this is the year with, you know, turning Deshaun into hopefully what he used to be with an offense. Like they've really got to get after it. So I think the criticism will be fair if they start slow, despite me thinking that, you know, there, there's been a lot of things that have gone against him while he's been here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you're, yeah, I'm very much in Kevin's corner as well. Um, 
and I think that Keith makes a great point. Like he would be, there would be teams all over the NFL that I think that would want to hire him if he was fired from the Browns. And I don't want them to be put in a position to make that mistake. So I really do the hope they can get off to a good start. But the schedule makers really did him no favors. I mean, you can look at it two ways, really. You could look at it like, hey, they, you know, they get a shot right away to prove themselves in the division. Although with you know, the breadcrumbs left behind by this front office and coaching staff that leads us to believe that they're going to see some, we're going to see some big changes in the offense, right? And a new defense. We, we, I kind of would have liked to have seen those games a little bit further down the schedule uh, just so they could get comfortable with it. But it does feel like his job is on the line uh, to a certain extent. Now, I do think like, there is an outcome that, you know, not a lot of people take into account where the Browns miss the playoffs somehow, but Watson plays well enough that that they want to keep Watts or uh, keep uh, Kevin Stefanski around, although that's probably, you know, uh, you know, thre- you know, threading the needle a little bit there because uh, that that's not like a wide, uh, you know, percentage of outcome that 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 lands in but i do think there is a world where that could happen um but other than that you know he's got to get him he's got to get produce results this year unfortunately even though i think it would be a mistake to get rid of him yeah i i agree and i mean i think just everything's in place right like the new defensive coordinator um that's his pick you would think mostly his pick um you know who knows the story behind how deshaun got to cleveland but like he is the coach and that is his quarterback and so these things are in place you know they've added pieces to the offense like um and i think that is also a great point from from scooter like I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, people would get upset because he's not fiery on the sideline or he doesn't show emotion. Like that stuff I don't care about. I don't think it matters that much uh, in the grand scheme of things. But I do think like, you know, it's one thing to just call plays. It's another thing to sort of lead a team. And, um, you know, that's something he's got to keep developing at. But yeah, like everything's in place. And so I think like there's not, you know, last year there were excuses for, how the season went. I don't think there's really going to be any, there's not really an excuse not to be a successful football team this season. So I think like the brand and the Browns should want that. They should want those expectations. Um, and so I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a big year. They're under the fire a little bit, but you know, they, they made their own bed with what they, you know, getting to Sean and having this timeline. So it's like, it's go time. Um, but I'm excited, man. I think like, I do. If you, I feel optimistic about it. And if you believe in, in Kevin and believe he's a, you know, in his offensive abilities, um, which I do, I, I think you should really look forward to this season. Yeah, me too. It's a, it's a massive year for him, uh, for the Browns. Now, you know, nationally, they're not like, you know, rushing up power ranking boards, which I think is great. It's been kind of a quiet off season, although very effective. Andrew Barry, to your point, has eliminated much of any kind of excuse that you can have if you're Kevin or a defensive coach, right? Like, or Schwartz. I mean, he's really addressed just about everything you can uh, and still probably, you know, looking to make the roster better every day. Uh, so uh, he's eliminated much of any, you know, uh, any kind of excuse that you can make out there. So um, I'm glad they're not like, you know, the hype machine hasn't really shined the light on the Browns yet. Although here in Cleveland, we realize that there's high expectations. Uh, I think they're in a good place to maybe surprise some people. So, um, and, uh, you know, live up to what we think they are as a team. Listen, Jordan, you've been fantastic. Uh, everybody in the chat and watching this show, if you're not watching it live, go follow Jordan on Twitter if you don't already, which I'm sure many of you already do, at Jordan Zerm. Uh, he is uh, of the sporting news. Uh, we appreciate your time, Jordan. You were fantastic, man. We've got to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. This was really fun. Shout out to everybody in the chat for watching and uh, and hanging out. That was uh, cool to interact with you guys. So, yeah, man, appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Have a lovely evening, all right? All right, you too, man. Take it easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jordan Zerm of the Sporting News here with us on All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. Uh, good stuff from him as, as he is uh, always uh, very... Great follow on Twitter. Always putting up good statistics. Uh, excellent uh, insight into the Browns. You know, the projections, Mike Clay. It's This is just another example, ladies and gentlemen, of what nationally we're going to see uh, about the Browns, right? Like, people don't believe it. They don't see it like we see it. Uh, the talent on the roster is there. AB has eliminated all. I mean, to not think this team is a 50 sack team with the guys that they've acquired, to not see, you know, and I know the whole we've got to see Watson do it first, but I just can't. I find it hard to fathom a, a world where uh, he doesn't get above 4,000 yards, right? Like, uh, or he rushes for 500 yards and scores four touchdowns. Like, um, you know, 26 and 11 is great, but, uh, uh, you know, 26 and 11 with 10 rushing touchdowns is different, right? So, you know, let's, let's, let's uh, keep that in mind. And, and Mike uh, has been kind of, you know, leaning towards the downside on the Browns every year he does his projection. So this isn't something new. Um, and and I think that there is nothing wrong with the Browns staying out of this, you know, the hype machine spotlight. But do I think it'll last? No. I think that there will be plenty of, and we've already seen some people come around and say, well, hey, you know, this team could be really freaking good if you look at that uh, roster, and if they get a, if they get a season from Watson, you know the ceiling is is super high. So, yeah, under the radar is the thing, right? It is a very good thing, Ty Sox, one hundred percent. So as long as they can stay under the radar, I'm all for it. Although I don't think that uh, it lasts very long, and if they win a couple games early. Uh, then they won't be. A uh, question from my my other uh, all Brad's unite here. Hey Brad, can you talk about how dangerous Sidarius is in the rover position and might help with our lack of depth at defensive tackle? Well, he one hundred percent helps with the lack of depth at defensive tackle because he will line up uh, all over the place, but he will line up, uh, on the inside. And, and if you've seen how, what Schwartz's wide nine looks like, um, on third downs, I mean, you're talking like he will kick everybody out wide so that you're talking about like Zedarius and whoever you have rushing off the other interior all the way out at the four eye. And then your edges like Oboe and uh, Garrett all the way out at the nine, um, and it it looks like like that's how they create the one on one. That's how he creates the pressure. So Zadarius Smith, if he is healthy, I mean he had as dominant of a first half of a year as anybody uh, in football rushing the passer. He finished with seventy eight pressures last year. Um, and the majority of those came in the first 10 games before he hurt his knee, and then he slowed down considerably. So Smith can be fantastic in this, uh, especially the way, to your point, um, sorry, uh, to your point, Bradley, um, on the inside, the way they can kick him in, the way they can move him around over the center if they want, uh, even, you know, what they will do, although they only like to bring four, right, and they want to get home with four, they will use all kinds of games and stunts and everything to create mismatches and one-on-ones and the matchups that they want. And this is what Schwartz has been done for years. So when guys that play for him talk about why they loved playing for him, it's because of that stuff, because of the situation he was able to put these guys in, uh, which has led to success. Um, I, I agree, James. I've talked about that too. 
Uh, I think Alex Wright get, maybe gets some reps on the inside. I thought his best reps last year came on the inside. Uh, Pat Shea says Z and Oboe are going to be beasts with Miles Garrett in the mix. Absolutely. I, I think those three are your heavy hitters. Um, and, you know, the, the addition of Zazari Smith just took that, that snap void because Okoronkwo had never played more than like 520 snaps or 550 snaps or whatever, he erased that void. He's a full-time player. He'll play 700-plus snaps. He'll play the same amount or even more as Miles, and he'll play some inside, some outside, so he does help with the depth in there, although I do think, uh, and Mary Kay has reported, they still are kicking the tires on defensive tackles now. Uh, I don't know what will happen there. I think Hurst is a hugely talented guy, uh, Mo Hurst, and if he could stay healthy, I think that he could help. Um, I think there's, you know, in the range of outcomes, there certainly is a non-zero chance that Jordan Elliott uh, not having to two-gap anymore and just being asked to slash in the backfield suddenly looks like a different kind of player under Jim Schwartz. I think that's in the range of outcomes as well. So I do think that there are a number of ways that they can make this defensive tackle room work uh, without having to go out and get another guy. But I'm not ruling it out because uh, Andrew Barry has proven that he, he wants to leave zero, um, zero chance or zero uh, ability to uh, make excuses on either side of the ball. And Pat Shea makes a great point. And Perrion Winfrey as well. If he, if he can get his head on straight and be in there, he certainly can contribute on the interior. It should be fun. Uh, it's cool to see the pictures. I tried to show some to you guys. I, uh, From what I grabbed, it's good to see all the pictures of the guys out on the field. Uh, Chubb and um, uh, Miles not there, but uh, absolutely um, that is uh, uh, a lot of fun to see everybody out on the field. So uh, he was absolutely, James, the missing piece of the puzzle. He fit it, fits in nicely, and it slides Oboe right into the role that he needs to play. Uh, he was the missing piece. And, you know, the thing that was great about it is, you know, he was supposed to have, AB a. was supposed to have interest in Ingram, Melvin Ingram as well, and there's other guys on the free agent market. But that wasn't good enough, right? Like, or or he was willing to continue to make calls and monitor the Zedaria Smith situation and, uh, you know, make that move instead of just the signing for the guy that's maybe not quite as good as Zedaria Smith, but actually go out and get a guy that good, which I think is fantastic. Would I agree, James, would love to see Ioannidis in here, Shelby Harris. Those are really the only two guys left like that provide you any sort of upgrade over the flyers that you've already added to the room. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's a good point, Keith. You know, the schedule certainly may have made andrew a little more uh actionable right uh all in all the way pushing pushing chips to the middle here uh og uh philly and uh i i agree and we've seen that and uh we know that here but you know they don't see that all all around the country right like they don't see that uh what running back to might we be looking at listen i, I think that I think that they're going to give every opportunity, like we talked about, to Ford. Um, but I don't think that 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 they should um, neglect looking for or at least be monitoring the free agent market where there is a guy like J.D. McKissick who can help, can catch the ball out of the backfield, or Justin Jackson who served as a very serviceable backup to Austin Eckler. Both guys... Uh, under 30 and can bring something to the team if f you don't think Ford can be a pass catcher or be the guy but I think he gets a shot at it first to your guys's point yes you did uh, read that somewhere Serge uh, that Daryl Henderson was a target I've always actually been a fan of Henderson uh, a an athletic but big and, and strong tough runner so absolutely uh, smart of all AB to go all in on the defense because defense is usually ahead of offense early in the season until Watson get his sea legs under him. I agree. 
Um, and I think, you know, I thought it was really interesting. Bradley Tysox also, uh, he thinks Ford is going to be hunt like, I hope so. I really hope so. He's shown flashes for sure of that explosiveness and speed. Um, but to finish on this, you know, the Watson guys came home from the trip and went right to work here at OTAs an optional showing up there. All the people that were on the trip there, uh, showing up except for, I don't, I don't think Chubb is there, but he's earned that, um, so good for those guys, man. I mean, they are, they are in, they are working and, uh, you know, it seems to be like you heard Elijah Moore today talk and everything was positive and how comfortable he feels and how much he's enjoying getting to know everybody. Right. Like it feels like they're developing a camaraderie that wasn't there last year. So we can only hope, uh, that they get that identity, that they have become, uh close that they play for each other because that stuff matters man like the best teams in the nfl come together and, and play that way so it absolutely matters uh and certainly what watson does is uh is going to be absolutely huge and i think uh he's gonna have a big year honestly i really do uh so uh, thank you all for joining me again. Another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. If you ever miss it, you can catch it in podcast form. Uh, I will have another episode this weekend with Jake as we do our Things We Think We Know. And I'll have the written version out at the OBR. Big thanks to Jordan Zerm of the Sporting News. Appreciate you all uh, for joining me. The best chat in the land. Uh, the OBR uh, Blue Wire Podcasts. For everybody else uh, that uh, puts out content on this network, uh, my name is Brad Ward. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Have a great evening. We are out.